by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Today's message is called Why. We're in a series called The All-Important Why, and today's why is Why Fun-Loving Families Celebrate. Do you have a fun-loving family? Because as a church, we're a warm, fun-loving family, right? Why do fun-loving families celebrate? When I first started coming here, the founding pastor of this church was Pastor Buddy Adams, a great man of God. He passed, uh, and they asked uh, an evangelist named uh, Paul Baggett to do his funeral. Now, if you know Paul Baggett... You probably know where I'm going with this. He's a colorful, boisterous, loud evangelist, man. He, I mean, you couldn't be in a room without a smile on your face when this guy's up there preaching. He's just celebrating all the time, and I'm thinking, how is this guy going to do a funeral? But they said, no, he does thousands of them. And so I was anxious to see how he pulled this off. And so we went to the funeral, and sure enough, he was so respectful, uh, reverent to the things of God. He, he was so respectful to the family who was mourning and all of us in the congregation who was mourning the loss of, of Buddy. And uh, somewhere along the line, he, he began to talk about Buddy's life and how much he had meant to all of us and the great things he had done. He celebrated Buddy's life on this side. But when he began to celebrate Buddy's life where he's at now, when he began to talk about heaven, how he shall wipe away all, every tear and there be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And he began to talk about what Buddy's enjoying now and what we have to look forward to. I can't help it but to preach and, and Brother Baggett started up and he started coming across, you know, and, and he started telling us and he started laying it down, man. And I wanted to be the first one to shout, but somebody beat me to it, you know. And pretty soon we was all shouting and it was the biggest celebration. It was probably more church than I've ever had that day. And it was at a funeral. And I'm thinking, well, the last thing I want to tell you is I remember something he said. Uh, at the end of it, he said, after everybody was all excited and everything, he was trying to explain what had just happened because we were like, wow. You know, he said, if I die before my wife and my wife hires some lame old preacher to do my funeral, he said, I'm going to kick the lid open on that casket and do it myself. <laughs> and I thought... This ain't even no funeral here today. Why don't we kick the lid off of this church today and celebrate? Because we still got the same things to look forward to that we did in that funeral. Hallelujah. We got so much to celebrate. What happened yesterday is worthy of celebration. Oh, Brian Park, we ought to kick the lid off of this church. I'm telling you. C.S. Lewis says, uh, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Do you believe it? Joy forevermore. Didn't we sing that today or recently? <laughs> Yesterday? Joy forevermore. Amen. There's no telling what I got, what kind of strokes I got after yesterday. We had a good time yesterday. Woo, that was good. That was the church being the church, and I am so thankful. I am so thankful for each of you. Angie had a list of people we are to congratulate today for all the hard work days. I said, Angie, I can't remember everything under the sun. I said, you get up and tell it. She said, oh, I'm scared. 
But we're going to get her up for it. It's over with. Amen? She can do it. Look, Jesus loves to celebrate. I mean, do you see Jesus as this little guy walking around with a dejected look on his face, carrying this little lamb like they paint him? No, that ain't the Jesus the Bible paints. The Bible paints a totally different picture. In fact, in Luke 10, 21, it says at this same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How many knows when the Holy Spirit is there, it's going to be some joy? He was filled. He said he was filled above the, his brothers. You know, he had more. He had unlimited amount of Holy Spirit in him. And so he had more joy than anybody. Why do you think the sinners loved him so much? They couldn't out-party him. I'm serious. Jo Jesus had joy. Now, what was Jesus so excited about in Luke 10, 21? Well, he just sent out 72 of his disciples, taught them how to witness, and they went out and did what he said do. They preached the gospel. And then they came back on fire like us today. Doesn't it get you on fire after you've done what Jesus said do? How many of you went yesterday and you couldn't wait to get to church today to celebrate? Makes you feel good when you be who you're called to be. In fact, Jesus, he would get disappointed when we didn't celebrate when we're supposed to. I think Jesus would be upset if we didn't celebrate today. He healed 10 lepers. And it says in Luke 17, 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? How come only one out of ten is praising? How come only one out of ten is celebrating? Christians, why only one out of ten churches celebrate anymore? Why only one out of ten sitting on the pews does anything today and celebrates the victories that we have? Where's the joy in the church? We're not a, there, there are another nine out there somewhere? He has not returned to, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. He said, this guy ain't even a Jew. He's not even an Israelite. He knows enough to, to praise God for being healed. How many of you have been healed in your life? How many has Jesus healed you? I know I have. I've been miraculously healed. Sometimes it takes a healing process, but even if it takes going through something, Jesus designed our body so it'll heal. Praise God for that. <laughs> we got so much to be thankful for. This guy wasn't even a Christian, and he was praising God. That's what Jesus was saying. This guy's a foreigner, and he's praising me. Where's the church? We're supposed to be the joyful people. Jesus celebrated all the way up to the cross. All the way, from start to finish. They had a celebration when he was born. The wise men showed up. The angels in heaven was praising him out in there in the fields, telling the shepherds, let's, let's party. Today is born a Savior. And all the way through his life, he celebrated all the way up to the cross. What do you mean? Matthew 26, 18. Jesus said, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. He's just days away from the cross. He's right there at the door of the cross. How many of you, if you knew what was about to happen to you, would be in a celebratory mood? Oh, man, we'd be like, just get away from me. I've got to be alone. I'm sweating bullets here. 
But the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Jesus wanted to get one last party in. In fact, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross itself. It says in Hebrews 12 too. <laughs> you say, well, I'm going through some, Pastor. You don't know what I'm going through. I can't celebrate. I ain't got time for all that joy. How, are you on the cross? If you're waiting on life to get perfect, you ain't never going to celebrate. If you're lo looking for circumstances, that's not faith. Faith celebrates now. Jesus he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He was going through it. He was suffering. But he did it for the joy set before him. He, was he said, when I'm in it, I'm just going to look through it. I'm going to focus on the other side. Just like at that funeral. It was right to mourn. The passing of a dear friend, a son, a child of God had so much future. But... But when we think about where he's going, where he is now, and whatever you're going through, you got to learn to think through it. You got to look through it. You got to look at the cross. Just you got to look. Jesus said, "Man, I am thinking about the day when Angie comes to me, when Grand Grand comes to me, when Benny comes to me. I'm thinking about what this cross is doing, what this suffering is accomplishing." Woo! Woo! Somebody 107, I don't know what that means. That means there's a party going on in the back in the children's church. <laughs> we know what that means. Somebody having too good a time back there. <clears throat> there was this, uh, this newlywed couple. Can y'all tell I'm still drunk from yesterday? That's my drinking buddy. Bill just got here. <laughs> Bill was ministering to folks yesterday. Way to go, Bill. I knew it. I knew he's coming alive. We're all coming alive. All beginning to see what God put on the inside of us. Anyway, there's this newlywed couple, and they had rented this expensive room out of town, you know, for their, their honeymoon, and they had drove all day to get there, and they got there late at night, and they opened the, the room and went in, and it was just a little bitty room. And they had paid a lot of money for this thing, and they were just disappointed in the size of the room, and it didn't meet the expectations that they had for this nice honeymoon suite. And they said, where's the bed? This little fold-out couch thing. They folded the couch out, and they slept on a lumpy mattress that night, but they couldn't wait to get up in the morning and go let that clerk have it. And so they got up, and they walked into the to the office of the motel, and they said, this was terrible. We paid, you know, and they just let him have it. He said, sir, did you open the door in the back of the room? He said, no, what do you mean? He said, I thought that was a closet. He said, come with me. And he took him, and he opened that door, and it opened up to a beautiful suite with chocolates on the bed and a fruit basket and with, with a big hot tub in there and jacuzzi, one of the prettiest hotel rooms he had ever seen that's what it's like for a christian to never enter into the joy of the lord to get saved you maybe get into the foyer the area but you're not stepping into the suite you're not entering in 
to the best part, the joy of the Lord. And the joy comes from his presence. To walk with him, walk this thing out together with him. You know Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's how we do. That's how we get through. Proverbs 17, says, a cheerful heart does good like a medicine. That's why some of us are sick. We may not be sick. Well, we may be sick in our bodies too because of it. But maybe we just have a sick heart. Maybe we're just sick of life. Sick, sick, sick. We got a sick mentality. Because there's no laughter in our life anymore. The joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength. You know, before I got saved, I knew I needed to do something and change my life. So I, I, me and Angie started going to a church in Memphis. And I'll not name the name of the church. But it was one of those big churches. And it's probably not the one you're thinking of. But it was a big church and it had... You know, rafters around the top. It was one of those stadium-looking things. And we would check our daughter, Kaylee, in. She was about one at the time. And we'd go every other weekend or so. And we'd go and we'd get up in the rafters. We'd get at the top seat of the rafters. We didn't want anybody to see us. We didn't want to talk to anybody. We didn't want no fellowship. We didn't know anything about Christian joy. We was there to punch in and do our duty and think, you know, we're doing God a favor for being there. And so we were sitting up there. And I don't remember a lot about that church, but I do remember this. That pastor was on a series on Job, and he stayed on every time we went there. We went there about seven or eight times. Every time we got there, he was doing a word-for-word exposition on the book of Job. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Job, but I'm just saying there was no joy in that place. I was like, good night. It didn't take long that I came to this church. And I saw people weeping and praising worship and lifting their hands, crying for joy and shouting. And I began to hear the whole counsel of God's word preached. I began to hear the good news. I'm talking about I heard the good news up in this place. And when I heard that, then my heart leapt and I said, I need Jesus. I need that Jesus. I don't need Job. I need Jesus. Job is fine as part of the Bible. That's fine, but I needed some joy in my life. I needed to see something different when I was already living and I wasn't seeing it in another place. But in this place, I saw joy and I've been here ever since. I can't leave and I can't let the joy leave. Uh, it's not my intention to let the joy leave this place. And I hope it's not your intention either. Back in 1988, That sounds like the, the dark ages or something to y'all, doesn't it? Back in 1988 in a magazine called Today in the World, on page 13, there was this article. It says, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., was a member of the United States Supreme Court for 30 years. Now, if you remember him, then you probably, never mind. <clears throat> His mind, his wit, and his work earned him the unofficial title of the greatest justice since John Marshall. At one point in his life, Justice Holmes explained his choice of a career, why he became a Supreme Court justice, by saying this, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. 
A great man may have entered the ministry, but he saw the preachers up there talking like Ed the horse or whatever it is. Acting like undertakers. Woe unto us if we make the gospel of Jesus Christ boring. We have the best message in the whole world. You have to be an awful, awful bad preacher to make that boring. Woe unto us if we do that. David danced before the Lord with all his might. He wasn't ashamed to just be real. He didn't, and you know what he said? He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. He ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, your heart's crying out for some joy right now. Your heart's crying out for a celebration. You're tired of just going through the motions. We got to learn to just be ourselves and dance before the Lord, whether we look silly or not. Did you ever get that video loaded? I wanted to show that. We could have showed that, a video of Anita boogieing down. I think Melody was with her. <laughs> we, I would have got y'all good. They were, we was playing that boogie-woogie dancing on my way to heaven song, and they were just getting it, boy, yesterday. That's good. That's exactly what we need to do. Maybe we need to play that song today. When people get to church, they ought to be excited about it. It says, I was glad when they said, come to the house of the Lord. No, no, I was sad. Oh, I didn't have to go again. <laughs> I was glad. You know, me and Tony, sometimes we go down to the dirt track over in West Memphis and watch the car races. Man, when we come driving up and we get out, of the, out in the parking lot, we can hear those cars in there doing hot laps in there. And we can smell the burning fuel and the rubber and all that. Man, that just, the excitement of that. I can't wait to get in. What about you? You're ready. You, you go to a football game on Friday nights at the local high school or something. You get there, you hear the band playing, wonk, 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 wonk. You hear the people in there. You know you can't wait to get in. That's the way the church ought to be. We ought to have the denominational churches down the street saying, can y'all quiet it down? We can't hear Mr. Ed preaching up here. <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> Man, when you drive in this parking lot, I got plans for when we have enough people to do it. And maybe you want to volunteer to do it. We want to have people out in the parking lot, partying out in the parking lot when you get here, creating an atmosphere, an expectation of joy for this place. Now, there's a time to be serious, and we'll be serious. But there's a time, and there needs to be an underlying foundation of celebratory uh, expression in this place. Boy, I'm using big words today. <laughs> Whoa, that just came from nowhere. It must be the Holy Ghost anointing on me. I'm going to get in big trouble with Angie. I can see that. Okay. I, I always make her sound bad. I'm just teasing. All right. Nehemiah, 1243. Nehemiah, you know, came and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. It says, many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day. For God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and the children, they celebrated too. Didn't leave them in the back. They participated in the celebration. And the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard from far away. I guess you didn't hear me. I said, the celebration could be heard far away. 
I doubt even the nursery heard that. I said, the celebration can be heard far away. (laughs) Somebody needs to break free today. Somebody's been holding on to that shout for too long. It's time for the walls to come crashing down. I said, the celebration can be heard from far away. (laughs) Do it for yourself, you know. Don't do it for me. Do it to the Lord. Shout as if unto the Lord. <laughs> he said, Terminex is calling 911 right now. That's our neighbor. <clears throat> you're, my, you're my joke line feeder here. <laughs> Good job, Tony. All right. God, the Father, loves to celebrate. He gave us, in Leviticus 23, he gave us seven festivals each year to celebrate. Times, he, he wrote it on his calendar, says time to celebrate. In case you ain't celebrated in between, we're going to write it down. That's what holidays are for. The Jews got seven feasts, and it wouldn't hurt us to celebrate them too because we serve the same God. Four festivals in the spring, the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks. And then three in the fall, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. They all involved celebration to help the people remember how good he is and to return them to their joy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, Hezekiah, he was a king, and the kings before him had let the things of God go. But he came into office, and he said, I'm rebuilding the temple. And he got to putting things back in order. And he called for a week-long Passover celebration, a whole week What if we could do that? What if we all scheduled our vacation on the same week and we just partied all week long together, celebrating the Passover? You know what the Passover really is? When death passed over. When they put the blood on the doorpost. When they celebrated the blood of Jesus that caused death to pass over and gave us eternal life. (laughs) Well, anyway, they rededicated the temple. 2 Chronicles 30, 21. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. It's a paraphrase, but bear with me. All the Israelites present in Jerusalem celebrated the Passover. All of them. It was the Feast of Unraised Bread. For seven days, celebrated a little bit. They just, they, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He's mighty, mighty good to me. Bless his holy name. No, they celebrated exuberantly. <laughs> I hear a shout out again. The Levites and the priests praised God day after day, filling the air with praise sounds of percussion and brass. Psalms 50 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hezekiah. I'm going to have a hangover after this. No, just kidding. Hezekiah commended the Levites for the superb way in which they had led the people in the worship of God. Let's give our praise team a a round of applause and celebrate how they lead us in praise and worship. Good job, Chad, Tony, Troy, Gary, Kaylee, and all the others who join us at, at periodic times along the way. When the feast and the festival, that glorious seven days of worship, now they've done this for seven days. Some of us would get tired after seven minutes. They have worshiped for seven days, 
celebrated, the making of offerings, the praising of God, the God of their ancestors, when it was over, the tables were clear and the floors were swept. The tables were clear. Now, I want you to picture this. They've done did this for seven days. They said, well, that's, that's what we appointed to do, seven days. And they put the tables back up, just like we put the tables back up last night after we celebrated at O'Brien Park all day. We was kind of tired. We did hard work out there yesterday. They swept everything down. The floors were cleared. And then somebody said, you really want to stop? I don't really want to stop. Why do we have to stop? Just because it was appointed for seven days. You know, I got two weeks vacation. What does it say here? They all decided, they all decided to keep going for another seven days. So they just kept on celebrating as joyfully as when they began. Talking about a heart to celebrate. And these people hadn't even seen Jesus on the cross yet. This was before Jesus. They were just celebrating God. How many of you wanted to get the tables back out and go to O'Brien Park again last night? <laughs> okay, we didn't, but... <laughs> we ain't there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. We had to get out of there before dark, but... If not, we probably would have stayed a little longer if we'd have had time because there were still lives being changed. It was good. It was good. We, we need to always be looking for a, a reason to celebrate. If you, don't, if you don't have one immediately on your mind, think of a reason to celebrate. There was this woman said to her husband, you know, tomorrow's trash day. He goes, well, that makes this trash eve. What can we do to celebrate? <laughs> you know, that's people looking for a reason to celebrate. We'd do good to be happy people. We'd do good for people to see us and say, man, what do you got that I need? I want that. The Apostle Paul wrote from a prison cell, Philippians. And in the fourth chapter and fourth verse, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. He said it twice in one little sentence. It was important. Paul and Silas were the ones in the, in the deepest, darkest dungeon, singing at midnight, singing praise to the Lord. At that midnight hour, when all things look bad, it is, oh, my Lord, would you be singing down there in the dungeon? Other prisoners, shut it up down there. Well, you're trying to sleep. They didn't care. They didn't care what the world was doing around them. They didn't care it was dark. They didn't care that they were hurting and they were in awkward positions and, and they were down in the middle of the middle. The lowest part, the joy of the Lord rose up in them. And they began to sing. Give praises to God, and next thing you know, whoo, things begin to shake in that, in that jailhouse. And now everybody's bands was loosed, and everybody got set free. And that's what happens when Christians rise up, begin to sing for the joy of the Lord, and celebrate this freedom that we have. Because it will set you free. It will set you free from the chains and the shackles and the darkness and the junk in your life that you're standing in. Celebrate. Don't be afraid. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says always. Not every now and then when you think about it, be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying because that's where our joy comes from in that fellowship. 
Be thankful in all circumstances. That means when you hear that bad news, when the doctor gives you that report, the lawyer comes back and says, whatever is going on, when you get laid off, be thankful. Because if you're walking with God, you know all things are working together for the good of him that love him and are called according to, your pur- to his purpose. You know that he's got it worked out. He's going before you in battle. He's making a way before you. You can celebrate any situation. In all circumstances, for this is God's will. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If if you've been saved, you've got a reason to celebrate. Moses and them, boy, he had the knuckleheadest bunch I ever read about in the Bible. But even them, when they passed through the Red Sea and left the bondage of Egypt, they had the, the sense to celebrate on the other side, get a tambourine out and start singing a song. Man, we, now that we know Jesus, man, we got to get the smiles back on our faces because that's what's going to change this nation that we're talking about, being the salt. They don't need Mr. Ed. They need some Paul Baggett's. They need some Buddy Adams. They need some people that are going to promote some joy. They need some people to, at the workplace with a smile on their face. When everybody else is complaining about the hours or complaining about the the schedule or complaining about their pay, they need you to say, hey, all things are working together for good. God's been good to me. He'll keep on being good to me. So today we're celebrating O'Brien Park and what we did. If anybody in here has something they'd like to share, I, I remember the thing that I remember most about yesterday was when I was able to gather all the children, and it's probably... How many you say, 25 or 30 kids sat down in there and we gave them candy and we bribed them real good and, and had some little bears that Patty donated to give to them and, uh, as prizes. And they listened as I explained how much God loves them. These little kids that many of them are there without parents because they don't have any supervision. They do what they want. Many of them have no home training, come from the apartments next door, come over there barefoot into this, this park that's filled with broken glass and a bunch of hobos out there drinking. And they come over here and uh, no supervision, but they're just little children. And I ask them, how many of you dream to be a lawyer? How many of you dream to be a fireman? How many of you want to be a a doctor, and they were me, 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 and all full of all this hope. And I got the opportunity to speak into them and tell them that the God who threw the stars into existence loves them. And I got, I got them to put their arms together and says, which one of y'all are the same color? And they, I said, aren't y'all all just a little bit different? And they were. And they said, yeah, we're all a little I said, you know, God loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow and black and white, all are precious in his sight. And I explained to him how Jesus died on the cross for, for all mankind and that he loved them. He, he welcomed the little children. He said, don't stop them from coming to me. And how he had an over, he said, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And so those little children, I don't know how many of them got it, but they listened. And they said they knew that Jesus 
that they said that they knew that God loved them when I asked them. And I asked them how many wants to follow Jesus, and, and most of them said, I do. And I said, if you, if you mean that with your heart, say amen, and they all shouted amen. You don't know how much children get, but for them to be able to hear that precious message, it, it warms my heart and gives me the kind of joy that I have today. You know me, I'm not always the joyfulest one. I'm, I can be grumpy too. Yes. In fact, in fact, over there on the side of my amplifier, you can't see it. It says no grump zone. So when you walk up upon that altar, you don't come up here with a bad attitude. It says no grump zone, doesn't it? Because I was writing it for myself because I often come up there grumpy. You know, I've been pl- practicing music. It's like when, my mama says, when are you ever going to finish practicing? You know, hadn't you got it by now? You've been practicing for 35 years, you know. And you'd think we'd be better than we are after 35, but, but that's why we practice, you know. Some, some of us, it's a job, you know, it's, a, it's work, you know, to get that good. But it's a joy in our heart when we get to, to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. And why am I saying all that? I don't know. But does anybody else have an a O'Brien Park testimony they'd like to share? I, I, don't, I know you don't need a microphone. Well, it's not really a testimony. Okay, share it. Okay, go ahead. I noticed that after you talked to the children, a lot of them were coming over to me because they wanted their picture. They got to go home. They got to go home. Well, after you did that, nobody wanted to go home. They all decided to stay. Really? Mm-hmm. Good, good. Maybe it made an impact on them. We made it, I believe we made an impact on a lot of lives yesterday, not just the children. But there, there's so many children there, just it warms your heart. Who else was there and like to share... Something that you saw or, or something that happened, something that, that you'll, you'll re- always remember. Because that's creating memories. I know that these uh, three youth here made a big impact. They played with the children all day long. Think of something to say about that after she goes. I never really get out of Horn Lake much at all. So driving into that kind of environment was a huge wake-up call for me to see that there are people that, live in that type of environment and they're still thankful for what they have it was a huge wake-up call for me to be thankful for what i have versus what they have to be thankful for and i mean i can't count on my fingers and toes how many kids came up to me and were just telling us thank you thank you and to me it was something so small but to them it was something huge that's right you know every year when we drive up there and and the first truckload that gets there, there's usually underneath that pavilion is seven or eight guys drinking and smoking dope and just gang members and stuff. <clears throat> and every year we drive up, I roll down the window. I don't roll down the window anymore. I get, <laughs> but I, I roll down the window, and I said, hey, guys, y'all ready for some hamburgers again this year? They're like, dude, you're from last year. Yeah, yeah. Do you need us to move? I said, no, y'all hang around. You know, we're, we'll have hot dogs here in, in a little while. And uh, they said, all right, we're, we was waiting on y'all to come back. They're waiting on us to come back. They remember us from once a year. And that, that community is waiting on us. So I drove around, and by the time I got out of the truck, they all moseyed down because they didn't want to be in the way. But they, a lot of them hung out for most of it. And they came and got hot dogs, but they, they drank, and they were respectful and went on the other end and stuff. 
Anybody like to share what, what you experienced with the children or whatever? A lot of the children were very young, and, like, I met these two sisters named Destiny and Kayla, and, I mean, the oldest was three, and they, I mean, she was smart and talked to me, and I was with them the whole time because they were there by themselves. Their mom didn't, wasn't with them at all. And um, from the kids, what I learned, what I could tell was that they weren't used to people sticking around to play with them. And I mean, like, they were grabbing my hand running from, running from, like, the swing to making stuff and then making me color it because they didn't want another kid to come and take me. And, <laughs> like, it was fun, though, because, I mean, they gave me the biggest hug like when I left, especially the sisters that I stayed with till their mom got there. They were so sweet and very, very happy that we did that. <laughs> Josh, uh, uh, you was playing basketball with them and, and they thought like uh, he was Larry Bird or something. <laughs> they couldn't get the ball from him all over the place, you know, and he had like 20 kids chasing him down. Had a good time. Anybody else want to share something? Got some in the back? Get you next. Uh, yesterday, um, this little boy came up, and he'd been up there once already, and he said, um, can I have a hamburger? And I said, sure. You know, and I knew he'd been up there before. He said, can I have it to go? And um, I know sometimes that what we do, and this is the only hot meal they have that day, Sometimes they go home and there's nothing in the cabinet. There's nothing in the fridge. You know, and I put full over it and I gave it to him. And I don't know why, because he's the only person I ever said that to all day. But I looked at him in the eye and I said, Jesus loves you. And he looked at me back and he said, I love you. And it just touched my heart because I remember when I was you know, a little girl and there was nothing in the cabinet. You know, and I'm just so glad that we were there to make a difference in their lives that, that day. And not just that it was any day, it was two days after what Dallas ha what happened in Dallas. That was a God thing. Amen. Amen. Um, on the same line as the children, um, I had a few come up and put their head on my shoulder and all they wanted was a hug or attention because I don't get that at home. They don't get it at all. And I dealt with the little boy and he was like, why can't we have a to-go plate? And I said, well, we first have to make sure everybody gets to eat. And he said, well, I'd eat it later if they'd let me take it home. And I said, <laughs> I did. I said, well, just go up there and ask them. That's all you can do is go up there and ask them. So apparently he did, and he got his hamburger. But I also dealt with the two little sisters, and I could not believe that they were there by themselves. But they just hung around. You know, like you said, they kind of latch on to just one person. And all they want is attention and love, and they just don't get it at home. It's so sad. Mm. But we had a wonderful time yesterday. Yeah. Give it next door. I initially really didn't want to go because I had a spirit of fear since all that stuff happened. But I'd, I thought... And I'm not even good with kids. I, I've admitted this. But I, I just had, there was so much joy when they would come up and just, they were so grateful and so sweet. And you did, would expect them, there was a couple that had a little orneriness in them, but I can get on right back. But I mean, I just, that experience, I want to say, and I wish Tyler had gonna come with me, it really changed my life. 
it, it, it changed how I, I said, man, you missed it. You missed it. You missed something awesome. Take a hand. Tyler, it's unusual that he didn't go. I'm sure he had a good excuse. He, he usually goes to everything. Anybody else? Got John Jean. Yes, I wasn't able to do too much, but I was just so lifted up watching them children's faces just be lighting up and just having so much fun. Man, it just made me just enjoy that park so much, the music, little girls running by and smiling at Chad and Chad winking at Rink. Winking at them, excuse me. Chad? You know, it just, you know, and they, they would just break out with a pretty little smile. But they break out with us. Hey, they break out with such a pretty little smile, you know, and and seen few of them was frowning. Then they just turned that frown to a smile. It just made me feel so good that we was able to do that for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. I keep, I keep bringing it to Brother Tom in a second. I just wanted to say, we went down there yesterday. I'm going to get up here because I want everybody to hear this. I really do. I want you to hear this. We went out there yesterday. I didn't want to go. I told Pastor two weeks ago, Pastor, he didn't call me. He called you. I'm just going because you want me to go. But I'm going to tell you what, it was a doggone blessing. We fed the people yesterday. We fed 200-plus hot dogs and over 100 hamburgers. Thank to Daniel and his hot fire grill. We fed some flame-kissed burgers yesterday. But we fed a lot of children. We made a difference. A lot of them kids wanted to come back for seconds, thirds. And I told my wife, she said, should we keep feeding them? I said, keep feeding them. That may be the only meal they get today. If they won't take it home, let them take it home. That's what we was there for. We fed them with the, the grills. Pastor and them had fed them in their spirit. And we had like uh, Bill and several other people. I was so busy cooking. I can't name all the people. So if I don't mention your name, don't be, you know, it's just because I was busy. We went down there and fed their spirit. We fed their body. We had their attention. And I think we went down there and done the Lord's work yesterday. And next year, if we go back next year, and we probably will sometime through the summer, I'm going to try to get my attitude right before I go. I am. Because it was a blessing to me as much as it was them children. And I promise you, they, they're, they're looking forward to us coming back. So anyone who couldn't make it, I encourage you to try to go next year because you're going to be really glad you went. You're going to feel like you actually done something for these people's spirit and for their bodies. You're going to go home feeling good about what you do. I went home tired. When I left, all I could think about was that air conditioner running at the house. <laughs> and that water, it runs. And my wife told me, she said, you know what? Some of them people may not even have running water. They may, they may have to go home to no air conditioning. We went home, got in our nice bed, got in our nice air conditioner, Turned on the faucet. I'm like that guy that we went to the show, and he was talking about how many faucets he had in his house. Man, we had water in every faucet, hot and cold. A lot of these kids, they may not even get a bath at night. So I just wanted to tell you, we, we went down there as a church, and I think we did what we were called to do yesterday. And it wasn't nothing each one of us done for ourselves, but, you know, I, I'm just saying that I encourage everyone to go next year, you know. And I imagine Pastor was talking about we're going to do some outreach in this area too, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do whatever the Lord asks us to do. Anybody else? I think Tom wanted to say a word. I just want to thank everybody for uh, giving into it financially and coming and giving their part. Uh, yesterday, I won't be able to mention everybody's name because I'd miss some, but 
I know that people jumped in at the last minute and helped us. We went and canvassed all the apartments and all the houses in that area, passing out all the brochure that a pastor guy gave us. And uh, so we was able to canvass the whole area. And while, while we was there at the park, you know, I, I, I watch everything. I'm always looking around and watching people and watching the children, all the children was there and everything that was going on. And as, as I was watching all these children uh, playing over on the playground, you know, I noticed a lot of little Hispanic children had came this time, and some of the little girls may not have been about six or eight or ten years old, and they was all dressed up. They had their dresses on, and they was really uh, dressed up for this uh, the occasion, and you could see you could see the joy, and you could see the, the hope in these children because these children really haven't become like a lot of adults, their heart hadn't been hard and they hadn't learned about hatred and prejudice and different things. And as the people was ministering to these children, you see, God's going to use these children in these last days. And a lot of these children's parents can't speak English. But these kids, they go to school and they speak English just like we can. And as Pastor Guy was sitting there ministering to these children and talking about Jesus he said there was 25 or 30. I don't know how many there was, but there was quite a few children there yesterday. And he ministered to them about Jesus. These kids, listen, God's word won't return void. These kids are like sponges. They're listening. We don't know how many p people got saved yesterday, how many children did, but I'm telling you, God was really doing a work out there uh, yesterday. We had two prayer lines and uh, also the, him ministering to the children, that prayer there. But at the, after the, the second prayer line, the last prayer line, um, we, people came forward for prayer. And I had two people standing out about as far as that pulpit away from me there. And I looked at them. I said, what do y'all need? What do y'all want from God? And they both approached me. And I asked them. I said, are you saved? He said, no. I said, are you saved? And she said, no. And so I started ministering to them. And after, after a while, um, uh, I got them to the point, or the Holy Spirit got them to the point. Uh, and they got and they got born again. Well, I don't know how they got there, but they had two children with us, and they were staying in a hotel over on the other side of, of Lamar, across from a, a gas a service station. They didn't. I don't know how they got there. They must have walked. But after the church had gave them watermelon and gave them some chips and stuff, they said he came to me and says, "Do you could you give us a ride because we can't walk with all this stuff back to the hotel?" So one of my friends that came from Fraser to help us. He gave them a ride back to the, uh, the hotel and spoke to them and ministered to them on the way. But I'm telling you, yesterday, you talking about the love of God and the peace and the joy of God that was out there in that park. I'm telling you, there, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing that can take the place of seeing the hand of God and seeing the work of God and seeing the love of God in there when the devil. I'm, when we was there, I got there early. And there wasn't a drop of rain. I drove two blocks over, and it was raining. Listen, we was there. I was the last person to leave. I was right behind Chester and uh, uh, Teapot. And we was the last player. I thought we was going to have to get security to get Patty to leave. She's over there taking pictures of them kids. She don't want to go. Uh, Ruth and Keith don't want to go. I said, look, you know, it's time to go. And as soon as I left there, I got on the interstate before I got to the next exit, which is Airways. It started pouring down, raining. It rained all the way, but while we was there the whole time, most of the time we had clouds, we had a breeze, 
and there was not one drop of rain. But two blocks over, it was raining. But it didn't rain there. I tell you what, it did rain. It did rain the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it rained on us all the way back to the church to unload. And when we got to the church, it stopped raining. We unloaded. And when we got back in the truck, it started raining again. I was just going to let y'all know. There was a lady there. Uh, she, she was talking, and she just loved it so much that she was actually filming for Facebook that all your actions, your prayers, your, your, your out, the outreach toward the children, she actually put it on Facebook for her friends to see. So you didn't just reach out to these people. You actually reached out to a lot more people. Thank you all for those testimonies. What a testimony in the weather itself. For three weeks, it's been near 100 degrees, and the day we, we're supposed to go, it's 60% chance of rain. Somebody called me and said, we're going. I said, it's on like Donkey Kong. I don't let the weather report stop us anymore. And uh, sure enough, uh, the, the threat of rain, all it did was cool things off. I, I think it was in the low 80s or something like that. It's about a 20-degree 20 difference in the last, every day the last two or three weeks for the day that we go. So that's... That's God all the way. Well, it's about time to close. Uh, we've got a little bit of time. Let's talk about joy in our homes for just a moment. Let's talk about some application of how do you, how do you celebrate. Uh, I, I've thought about this before in times past when I was thinking about <coughs> you know, creating an atmosphere of joy and celebration in my house. I created, I, I made this little wooden box and I made it in my shop and it was and it hung on the wall, and, and I had stained it real pretty and painted the word joy on it. And it had four compartments, one for me, one for Angie, one for my daughter <coughs> Kaylee, and one for my son Joshua. And we called it the joy box. And we put it on the wall, and we had these like little popsicle stick things, you know, tongue depressors, whatever you want to call them. And if you did something that brought joy to the household, you said a nice word or something, we would take a stick and put it in your box. And we would see who could get the most sticks, you know. And, and whoever, I don't remember what it was, at the end of the week, you'd get a prize or something. Or, but if you said something that took joy away from the household, we would take a stick from you. Do you want to know how much joy that brought to our household? Absolutely none. <laughs> the kids fought a, who gets to decide when I get a stick? She shouldn't have got a stick. I got a stick. Daddy gets a stick. Why does daddy get a stick? Yang, yang, yang. That, we got that joy box. We threw it in the garbage. You cannot legislate joy. I didn't say I was good at this stuff. I just said I was trying. But you can create an atmosphere of celebration and joy in your home. Are you, are you too serious all the time? Are you stuck on TV or on your cell phone all the time? Or are you too busy at work to, to enjoy family life again? You know, like, like it was supposed to be. Here's the thing. Do you encourage one another and celebrate one another's victories? When I was young, growing up with my mom and my brother in the house, you know, if I would 
pitch a good game at baseball or I'd get a several hits or something or, or I did anything, got an A or something or, or whatever I did, I couldn't wait to go tell my mom, tell my brother. I wanted to celebrate with them. And, and it was almost like it didn't even happen unless I got to tell my mom and my brother. It was almost like it gave me incentive to do good things so I could go tell them. Sort of like Facebook is for us all today. It didn't really happen unless I posted it on Facebook. But back in the day, there was interaction between people, real people, not images on a screen. There was real faith. There was, and it was wonderful. But somewhere along the line, the, the Sheffield competitive spirit got to a point where if, if I told somebody in my family, I did this, they'd say, well, I did that, and I even did better. I did this. And so when they came to me and they told me what they did good, I said, well, I, you know, that ain't nothing. I did this. And there got to be a competitive spirit, and it just got to the point where I didn't tell them anything anymore. We don't need to be like that. I think things are, have changed now that we've got older and wiser. But we need to celebrate together. We need to prefer one another. The Bible says, what does it say? Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice. It says weep with them that weep, you know. Be in there, with, feel other people's emotions, help each other through it. Why do fun lo loving families celebrate? Because <laughs> if we don't, we're not going to have any fun at all when we get to heaven because that's all they do in heaven is celebrate. They worship all the time and praise and have joy. There's, in his presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. Do you want your joy filled? Then get in the presence and spend time with God. If you're grumpy and you've got the mopes, and every time, you know, everything, you see in the glass half empty, and, I, and that's not in my nature to see the glass half empty. I'm a recovering perfectionist, and I see everything wrong. Y'all know anybody that's dealt with me. But I am, I'm recovering. <laughs> but I am recovering, Chad. He says slow recovery. <laughs> Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I beheld, and lo, say lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. All nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. Let me just stop right there. Does it say a certain race or a certain political party? Like the, the, the evil forces are trying to get us to divide over? Nope. It says all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, dipped in the blood of Jesus, no doubt, and with palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. Glory to the Lord. Praise be to his name. Hallelujah. Whatever you wanted to say, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. An attitude of thankfulness. Always giving praise. Praise continually on our lips. Why was Jesus so excited that day when his disciples came back? Why was he filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Luke 10, 17 tells us when the 72 disciples returned, 
They joyfully reported to him. In other words, they came back with some joy, caused him to catch a little bit of it. They said, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's something to rejoice over when you see the enemy fall. But he said, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That's something to celebrate. He said, but don't rejoice because just because the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. What he's saying is, don't just rejoice over these temporary things so much, but always keep it in your mind that this ain't, the victory is continuous. It's eternal. Our joy is eternal. And then on the other side, we're going to rejoice more than we're rejoicing now. Jesus is saying, I know there's some good things you got here on the earth, but this is the valley. Wait till we get to the mountaintop. Praise the Lord. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.